everybody, and welcome back to episode 10 of the Awaken Together podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Jen. And today we are talking to you about routine, ritual, and ceremony. We'll go into what our daily routines have looked like personally for us in the past, how we've developed these into daily rituals full of intention, and how the practice of ceremony has evolved for both of us for better and for worse. So Jen, could you kick us off? What has your routine been like in the past? Yes, such a fun topic. And we, yeah, we have so many little side categories. And this is also a huge thing that has changed on my spiritual journey. So this is so perfect for Awaken Together because this has been a huge part of my spiritual awakening where I can see such a difference. So to go back into old routines, like I definitely look back at my past and see how little mindfulness I was moving through life with. I was just kind of always in a rush and I think I was so out of present moment thinking and I had never really realized I was out of present moment thinking, but I think I was always like 20 steps ahead thinking of the next thing, which kind of led to this kind of nervous energy and... Yeah, I had no sense of actual routine because of the panic of what's coming? What do I need to do? What's next? <laughs> you know, just so such busy thinking. Um, I used to, yeah, I was a huge sleep in type person. I always would sleep into the last second in college when I started really working um, full-time job and doing full-time school. I remember I would be the type to snooze my alarm until like the five minutes it would take to just like throw my clothes on, (laughs) brush my teeth, and then grab whatever I needed and head out the door. And it's because I always felt like time was just slipping away from me. So I would want to sleep longer, drag things out. And it was just a very messy, um, yeah, scattered routine. And I think I've, we were trying to think back to when my routine started to kind of have more sacredness and more intentionality behind it and I think it's when I really moved to Denver that I started going okay so far my routines have always fallen apart really quickly every time I think I want to develop a better routine it lasts for very little amount of time and then it falls apart and then I have all this guilt behind it and I'm like I can never stick to things I had a lot of that mindset I moved to Denver as kind of like a new fresh start And it just really popped into my head one day that I really struggle with feeling like I need to do things daily. That felt like so much pressure for me that I started thinking, why don't I zoom out just a smidge and think of weekly? And so I started playing around with something that I call my happiness formula, where I would take a whiteboard and put all the things that if I did in the week, I felt whole by the end. And I came up with running or hiking, meditation, yoga, reading a book, listening to podcasts, and doing some form of lifting or, um, yeah, go, kind of going to the gym and get that uh, extra muscle building that always made me feel like accomplished, like I was working towards a goal as well. And I started setting up like little tally marks of how many times I would want to do each of those things in the week to feel accomplished by the end. And it took some tweaking at first, but I came up with this formula that if I do three times 
you know, yoga three times in the week, if I meditate five times in the week, if I run or hike three times, if I read a book three times, if I listen to a podcast once, by the end of the week, I can feel a sense of joy, completion, happiness. And so I would check it off as I went, but zooming out for me weekly was a way for me to start adding a lot more mindfulness into my routine. So let's hear yours, Kat. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so awesome, Jen. And I I think that's such great self-awareness because it doesn't, it shouldn't look the same for everybody, right? And the fact that you were like, "Uh uh-uh, this whole daily thing right now feels stressful. I need to do it on a weekly basis is really knowing yourself well and I yeah think that's just and let so me great. let me tell you too like the the amount of pressure that that took off actually ended up making me make better daily choices too yeah. but it was the yeah it was that pressure mental pressure of like my days are just messy and if I don't start living every single day right I was bringing that perfectionism <laughs> energy yeah. into the routine so much that it was hard for it to become mindful it felt worrisome and stressful yeah. So. Yeah. That's everything. It's like, that's what it's all for is to make our days better. <laughs> so if yeah. it's making it uh, more stressful, then it's kind of having the opposite effect. So yeah. really, really great. How long have you been following your happiness formula? For? It has been three years. That's awesome. <laughs> and it, it changed. It, it really changed everything. Honestly, for me, that was, it was huge. And I started seeing so many changes in my body and my energy with mm-hmm. adding this in that, yeah, my days actually did start to change too. And I was able to then start sprinkling in even more mindfulness exercises into the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it set, it set the foundation that I was really desperately needing. It's so great. Yeah, yeah, I resonate with that a lot. So when I think about my old routine, I think about, you know, pre-pandemic days when I was going into the office every day for my old job. And I just remember really similar to you, like my alarm would go off and I would maybe scroll mindlessly on my phone for like 10, 15 minutes until it was down to the last minute where I still had to do all the things before getting off to work. So I was already putting myself in that rush, rush, rush mentality. Mm-hmm. So I'd get up. I'd brush my teeth and then I'd go take my dog Minnie out for a walk. I'd feed her, walk her, and um, I made my coffee in the morning and then I'd walk her while drinking my coffee. So it was just like a lot of things going on at once. I only had one dog one hand for the leash, one hand for my coffee. And so sometimes that would even bring some stress to me if like I had to hold her away from another dog. Um and I didn't even realize these nothing like in the some moment. stress to start your day, <laughs> right? Just some stress in the morning, yeah. <laughs> cup full of stress, <laughs> stress, and um, yeah. So that's part of it. I would rush to work, and then right away, like I'd have my calls, I'd be in my emails, I'd see my teammates, and be in conversations, and I didn't really have any time for myself. And it was, it got to a point where I was like, okay. I like my job still, but something isn't working. I need to make a change. And so that's when I I really leaned into thinking about my week. Like, where in my week do I feel most myself? And at the time, I was doing my self-care Sundays consistently ever since I graduated college. So it had been like, you know, five, six years of that. And I... Um, I was like, okay, I really like how I'm doing this ritual once a week where I'm not drinking caffeine, I'm wearing my glasses, and I'm painting my nails. Like, those are my three staples of self-care Sunday. I love it. And um, so I was like, okay, well, how can I make this more a part of my everyday, more ritual, more intentional? So I started waking up 30 minutes earlier, and I... 
I still let myself scroll on social media before I got out of bed, but I kept it to the same time. So that extra 30 minutes allowed me that time to still kind of slowly wake up in bed. Then I would make my coffee and I had it before walking my dog. So I made this space of like, 15 minutes where I was drinking my coffee at home and I would just mentally list off three things that I was grateful for. Just being with myself for that time. And then it was time to still walk my dog, still had to do that part, but this time I had two hands. And <laughs> it's so simple, it's so small, but sometimes the smallest things make the biggest differences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would then listen to either a podcast or an audiobook that I felt was giving me what I needed, a sense of purpose, a sense of centering, and the calmness that I really wanted to bring into the rest of my day from that place, that energy. And then I would bike into work, which I freaking loved because I just put on some feel good music, bike into work, get my blood pump in, and then I'd get into the work into work about the same time um, and I'd have my breakfast there because by that time I was hungry and uh, just go through my emails and just have feel like I had a bit of a day before I had to throw my energy yes. into my work. That's good wording. That really does change a lot. Yeah, it really changed everything for me. <laughs> uh-huh. And just like that little morning routine of waking up earlier, um, like you said, made me able to shift like and bring more things into my day to day, like meditation. And it kind of falls into this idea of habit stacking. Have you heard of that before? I have read The Power of Habit, which went into such good stuff. That's definitely a side note book. But yeah, go ahead and explain uh, habit stacking. Yeah. So it's all about that idea of like starting small. So Mm -hmm. choosing like one or two things that you're going to change in your daily routine and sticking with that and doing that for like one or two weeks until it feels like it's truly habit. Like you don't even really have to think about it anymore. And only then adding little things in. So yes, and that's so um, being appropriate to how the brain works and how we really that our brain wants things to become automatic because it's so much less stressful when things become automatic. But it's really good to look at what you have made automatic and also sprinkling in more mindfulness on top of that because there is a big difference in our automatic routines and then also finding that that mindfulness in the present moment and moving through that versus that audit automatic brain being how we're fully running from the start of the day to the end of the day you know there's a there's definitely a balance between the two I so agree. I so agree. And just, yeah, having the energy to like show up for everything and everyone that your attention needs throughout the day. It's all dependent on that. Yeah. I was thinking like before, before I started really, you know, into the spiritual journey and caring more about how I was moving through life. I think the only time I actually knew how I was feeling and actually paused and was like, how do I feel would be as I laid my head to go to sleep at night. And all of a sudden I can't sleep. I feel, you know, I would feel the day, but it wouldn't happen till the very end of the day. And that, and I didn't even perceive it that way, but I would be like, why can't I sleep? I don't feel great. You know, I, I just wish mm-hmm. I could fall asleep. But when I ch- started changing the way I was structuring my day and checking in on myself more, I noticed the difference at night. It's like some of the yeah. things that we perceive as, um, 
yeah, sleep trouble <laughs> and some of the ways are like my head just is so busy at night. It's hard to turn it off. Those things we can actually see a shift on as we start to change our structuring of our mornings, change the, the, the mindfulness check-ins more throughout the day, the not waiting till the very end of the day to determine how you feel, but setting how we feel at the beginning of the day to move through the day with um, an intention that we've set at the beginning. A hundred percent. It's life changing, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's starting small and then reaping the benefits the longer that time goes on and seeing how it changes different areas of your life. And this is really probably the biggest uh, thing that I work on with my clients in health coaching is establishing this intentional daily ritual. And it's different for everyone. If the area of your life that you're wanting to see the most change in is physically, then your ritual can be around like adding movement into your everyday practice. It can be mindfully eating like away from screens. Um, If you're what you're really wanting to work on is about like anxiety or self-love, then maybe it's establishing a meditation practice or looking in the mirror and telling yourself three things that you love about yourself, even if you have to fake it at first. Like it sounds crazy, but it works. (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah, I think the reason routine becomes hard to stick with is because routine has not as routine kind of gets pushed and we hear it, you know, like you should build a better routine, what is missing from that is that sacredness. And I think that's what changes as we tie this into kind of the spiritual journey is when we when we start to bring sacredness into the space of routine, then it becomes more ritual. So we were talking about what is the difference between routine and ritual, and it becomes more of a ritual when there's the sacredness to it. Like, I want my day to be full of a sense of magic and a sense of... Um, wonder and presentness and aliveness and I want that energy to be present most of the day that is what takes that kind of routine gets just shoved at us all the time we see like add this to your routine or you know we see people advertise what their daily routines are and I think that's what is the shift that happens mentally is I want sacredness. I want to feel like I'm living life. And so rituals, let's talk rituals and how the difference between what hops from ritual or routine into ritualness. And for me, one of the first things um, that I kind of added in on my spiritual journey where I started adding a sense of ritual into that already slightly more intentional routine um i i started doing new moon and full moon ceremonies this was the first like step for me and i had heard it described as one of one of my early new moon ceremonies i went to a lady was talking about new year's resolutions and how as a society we you know that's very talked about set your new year's intentions and try to move through your year with those and i don't think very many people ever stick to their new year's intentions but she described it as if you look at the moon cycles and you honor those a little bit more those happen a lot more frequently so you get to do more check-ins on what you want to let go of what you want to invite in and the moon already shifts our internal energy a lot. You might not feel it until you start checking in on those days, but you can actually feel the energetic shift anyway. So not why not work with that energetic shift and let the moon kind of be your 
30-day check-ins and your your more frequent way of determining what you want to invite and let go of. So I have been honoring the full and new moons now for about two years. And that to me was a ritual where I'm always like really not only reflecting back, but also really writing down what I want to invite into my life. Yeah. Setting those intentions. Mm, Yes. I love it so much. And that's so beautiful that you do that because that's probably, is that twice a month then? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's so great. I love it. And I feel like there's some more work I could do there. Like I honor the full moon, um, but new moon is another one where I feel like I want to add that into my practice. So thank Mm -hmm. you for the inspiration there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Once a month is great, but why not do twice a month? (laughs) Yeah. And and they, you know, they definitely come with different energies, but that's a beautiful way just to set ritual. Whether you believe that the moon has a lot of influence on you, which I definitely could prove to you it does. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But but it's, it's just think of it even as a, that, that is a way I can mark my calendar to add in a level of ritual and check in with myself because. (laughs) oh this is a good this is a good share um I remember another thing that I used to do as a kid which looking back I think is like was such a good idea it was probably like a little sprinkle nugget for my spiritual journey but um (laughs) me and my friends at the beginning of the school year we came up with uh writing down everything that was currently happening in our lives and what we wanted to happen. And we thought it was so fun for the school year to guess like who was gonna maybe get a date, you know, who was gonna, (laughs) we would just come up with these like fantasies. But then when we would reread, we called them predictions. (laughs) We would write our predictions and we, when I wrote them, it, when we'd reflect back on them the next school year, so much of it would be accurate and have happened. <laughs> and That's it awesome. was just so funny looking back because we never saw it as being a spiritual thing, you know, but it was. And it was another point of check-in, like, oh, let me write down what's currently happening. Let me write down what I, you know, wish would kind of happen with the next, uh, you know, with the next school year. So that was a fun one. That's so fun. That is so fun. I love it. Um, And I'm thinking too about like New Year's, uh, going back to the New Year's piece a bit and like intention setting. um, Something I've gotten to the habit of in teaching in my yoga classes and creating for myself is a sankalpa. Um, So it's very similar. It's uh, but it's a little bit more intentional than a normal a normal, like quote unquote normal, um, New Year's Eve, like resolution. So a sankalpa, it's an intention that's formed by the heart and the mind. It's like a vow um, that you are taking in holistically, like what you want to bring into the new year. So rather than a typical New Year's resolution, which is, you know, they're, they're typically formed by the ego or senses or conditioning. That's what we typically hear anyway of like, I'm going to get a gym membership. I know. And dropping yeah. off like, yeah. oh, all the New Year's resolutioners and by March they're all gone. Like, no, this is different um, because you are returning to it monthly or bi-monthly um, or even weekly. So you kind of get to choose how that continues to show up in, in your life. And I'm curious, Jen, like, I know you're really good at like holding yourself to these practices, um, but thinking about like some of our listeners and um, myself too, like what are some of the things that you've done in the past to like hold yourself accountable to returning to these intentions? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, it's a little bit, I've always kind of been a 
yeah, head type, as we talked about, that more <laughs> uh, logical way of thinking. But I think what shifted was really feeling the difference. And as I was saying, like I used to not even notice how I was feeling and that disconnection was so strong that when I actually started feeling connectiveness, I think it became so such a good incentive to continue with it because I could really feel the difference. Like if I fell apart from it, the difference in my energetic body was so, I could perceive it so much more when I did more check-ins and I can notice like, my my more aliveness I just felt it and it became such an incentive that I could not go back to the old way of thinking and that I think slowly the scale for that started really shifting for me um that I do yeah I just started craving so much more I wanted to make everything sacred I started yeah I really started (laughs) wanting more and more and that I think that is an effect of kind of a spiritual awakening too is that you really start craving that more because it's such a connected, you can just, you can feel that you're connecting to whatever sense of your higher power is because you don't feel like you're, um, yeah, just coasting through. And I think Mm -hmm. that was my biggest incentive. It's just like, why, why go back to feeling so crummy when I know what it feels like to feel alive in my body? And yeah. I, yeah, it just started outweighing itself. But I do think we should talk about what disconnects us from, and this is where we can kind of blend more into ceremony, because as we were pondering these topics, I was looking at, a, at it as why did we fall away from sacredness as a society anyway? Um and I, yeah, I started thinking about ceremonies and some of our, some of our classic ceremonial stuff that we do is, you know, we have wedding ceremonies, I think kind of baby showers, we think of funerals, like when we come and gather with like a common intention. And I think this also have, has existed in a lot of religion um, where we gather and there's like kind of a sacredness about it. But I think what what we started seeing happen, you know, as I'm just pondering some of these, like where we started losing that disconnection from ceremony is I think we really started feeling like they needed to be done a certain way, whether that kind of came in with, you know, the internet, <laughs> like weddings started feeling like they had to be done a certain way and that if they didn't, then yeah, you were failing in some way. Yeah. And I, I think to the pressures of, um, yeah, just starting to take ceremony and uh, feeling so much pressure to perform it a certain way that we lost that mindfulness and maybe that tie into intuition. Yeah, And uh, the only example I can give like that when I was pondering this was, you know, I got very scared of ritual I think at one point just as I deconstructed a lot of my religious beliefs and I started figuring out how I wanted to stay connected to it versus disconnect from it I was thinking about like communion and I used to be so scared that if I didn't do communion that I would be yeah full of this yeah you know wrongness and like I needed to do communion otherwise it was bad if I didn't do it But now that I look back and I'm coming from a healthier place, that could have been a very sacred thing of like, I want to reset. I want to invite a a clean slate. But I do think when we started maybe projecting fear 
and this right or wrong into these things is when we've maybe lost or disconnected in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it can be traced back to the shift of uh, moving from masculine energy to feminine energy too, because the masculine way is very stringent. It says, here's the formula we must follow, right? We must, we must fall in line and fit the mold. And that's what's expected of us. Whereas, you know, the feminine side is more intuitive. It's leaning into that side of like, well, what actually feels good in this moment and leading from that place. So it's that empowerment to say, you know, I know what the tradition is. And for me, here's what feels more aligned. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to actually do that. So I know for both of us, our weddings, like we're very (laughs) non-traditional. Which is so cute. When Candace had her wedding, I was like, she really owned herself and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Even like the littlest things like Kyle and I really tried to sit with. um, And I know you did too of like, we were considering even like the names of our bridal party. Like I didn't want to call my wedding women my bridesmaids because I'm like, you're not a maid. <laughs> like where yeah. did this term come from? And I think um, it's easy to just go along with the status quo and to think about like things that are already laid out for you. It's harder to sometimes sit with it and ask yourself, do I like how this sounds? Yeah. <laughs> and what am I going to do about it? And so and it's my- not that it's right or wrong to yeah. to the it, it really as is, is an individual check in. I, right. I knew how much anxiety I was going to have doing like a first dance. And me and my dad have social anxiety. We were almost throwing up before our wedding because we were Aww. so anxious. We were like a hot mess. But I was like, why would two anxious people try to do a dance when we literally can barely handle the pressure of being in front of people and I was like screw that I'm not doing that because that is not honoring that is not like that does not feel sacred to me that feels like a nightmare so I'm gonna have a talent show at my wedding (laughs) I love that so freaking much and that's so you and I bet you and your dad felt so much more calm that day we did I mean knowing that we were taking some of that away like it yeah that to me was saying, I know that we've structured some of these ceremonial traditions around, you know, what a wedding should look like, but it would not be me showing up authentic. And as you care about the sacredness of your life, it is wanting to show up authentically, not, you know, with this perception that if I don't do it right, then it's completely wrong. Yeah, just going along with emotions and yeah. rather just being like, nope, this is me and I love me and I'm going to honor me <laughs> by doing this. And even like Kyle with, um, we had a, a big conversation about our vows because like our wedding c- uh, celebration, it wasn't, you know, we were already married and we'd already said our vows. And so a lot of people were like, well, like, why don't you just go up and say the same vows again? And, you know, we considered it. Um, Um, but Kyle also has some really big, um, like social anxiety and, uh, maybe even like friends and family listening to this wouldn't know, but the reason that we didn't, um, like play, say our vows, um, is for twofold. One, we wanted it to be the real vows and we were lucky enough to have our videographer, uh, come to our elopement and record those. So we played our vows, like a recording of our vows while we held each other's hands and looked into each other's eyes and heard ourselves say our vows, um, from when the moment 
it actually happened. And this took a lot of pressure off of Kyle day of, and he was able to just be more relaxed and grounded and present for the whole yeah. day leading up to that and after because we took that time um, to to make that shift and be in alignment to what felt right. Yeah. Beautiful. I <laughs> love that. And yeah, that was huge. So I think that shows both of our, you know, we definitely it's a it's a moment of growth to realize, hey, I'm actually honoring myself and it feels freaking good. Yeah. And then the ceremonial aspect too, like I think we need to remember that the difference maybe between ritual, we were talking about this a little beforehand, that ritual is kind of a little bit more of an individual practice, but ceremonial is a form of gathering mm-hmm. under a common intention. But we don't need to feel that the ceremonial stuff still has to be done away. You can still honor you know, the traditions in the past, but then still have it look different. And that's okay. Yeah. It's It really is... Um, there's a beautiful magic that happens when you gather at, with a group of people. And I think that's, we're lacking a lot of ceremony in our life. And I think because people feel like it does need to be done the right way, we don't gather maybe as often, or it's harder to find your people to gather into that sacred space even so. Yeah, but, more pressure is put on it. And so it just happens less because people are more worried about, am I doing this wrong? Whereas like, if you're gathering with people and you're doing what feels right in the moment, like what more could you ask for (laughs) yeah a hundred percent and I wanted to share one other like example of a kind of ceremonial thing that was kind of eye-opening for me Um, when I moved to Denver obviously yeah marijuana was legal and I partaked on and off but I also yeah you can definitely abuse things and you can take it from being maybe something that could have been good to way overdoing it and um I signed up for this thing it was a it was a marijuana ceremony and I was just like oh what a what a Denver thing you know I wanted (laughs) I wanted to sign up and I was like let's go check this out and we we set in circle, which circle is very ceremonial anyway. I love this space of a circle. That's a mm-hmm. side note. But we we set in circle and we passed the soil around that uh, the plant had been grown in. We took time to like evoke the senses, smell, pause, and then we set an intention on what we wanted the plant medicine to show us. And then we partake together and we did it in a way that each time you were checking in on where it landed in your body, where um, where you were feeling it. And there was just this this intentional like partaking versus mindlessly partaking. And I had the most like spiritual experience with that ever. And it really in my head, like created a deeper change in how much I need to pause and slow down and add intention to these things that I use, that I could be using as an escape when in reality, if I flip my perspective with them, it could be invited in with a lot more magic to it. And I, yeah, I experienced uh, effects that I have never felt in, in the years of partaking. And it, it was a real changer in my way of thinking. That sounds so special. And where can I find one of these? I want to go with you when you're check, in Denver. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Let's and do we it. need it. And I think, yeah, this is, this is a great practice. Like maybe, I mean, 
Hopefully you can find your people if you can't find them in your day-to-day life. That is, it is so lucky that we have the internet to seek like-minded people if we don't have them in our community. But it's really important to find a way that you can connect and gather with people that are going to understand the sacredness behind ceremonial um, gatherings and rituals. And you can find your people and it's really starting, I think all of this stuff is starting to elevate as we tap more into the the feminine energy, even collectively. Mm, beautifully said. So well said. And if you ever have any questions on like how to find your people, please reach out to us. We have developed some pretty awesome communities and we're always looking to grow them full of heart-centered beings. So we'd yes. love to have you there. And some resources if you'd like to dig into this work some more. Um, I have created a daily rituals recipe for joy that you can check out at www.catalystlivingwith the K, uh, catalystliving.com. It's a free download if you scroll to the bottom of the page and there's a description on kind of rituals like we talked about and lots of different examples and how to get into habit stacking like we talked about before and an accountability tracker so that you can really make this a part of your daily routine, uh, weekly rituals and feel the benefits from that. Awesome. And I will also, I will share my little happiness formula uh, thing on our Awaken Together Facebook group page. So I'll share that too. And yes, this is a beautiful first step where doors are always open if you have questions. Thanks for sharing the resource on your website, Kat. It's awesome you have that. Mm. And I think that does it for this week. Thank you for sharing, Kat. Thank you for a good conversation as always. Thank you, Jen. Love you. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.